Welcome to our Soul Food Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Princeton, West Virginia. Let's pray again. Father, we do thank you. Thank you for the children and all the work that Jeannie and Steve put into that. And just a good reminder that... uh, you are the reason for this season, and uh, give us that kind of childlike faith and, and love for you, that uh, we don't lose that as we grow older. Ask in your name, amen. I love Christmas lights. One of, one of my most endearing memories as a child is laying under the Christmas tree and just staring at the lights mesmerized by their beauty. So as I prayed about what to share this morning, my mind went to another light hanging on a tree. However, this light wasn't a bulb, but a person. And the tree wasn't a blue spruce, but a cross. So let's spend a few minutes looking at Jesus, who is the light of the world. In July 2010, a scientist in England, Paul Crowther, who is a professor of astrophysics from the University of Sheffield's Department of Physics and Astronomy, announced that he and his research team had discovered a star they described as the brightest star known in the universe. They named the star R136A1. That's a catchy name, isn't it? They might want to spend some of that grant money on their uh, sales and marketing department. But anyway... It's about 163,000 light years from Earth, and it is 30 times bigger than our sun. Just to put that into perspective, the Earth is a pretty big place. But you could take our planet and fit 1,300,000 of us inside of the sun. And so that means we could fit inside R136A1 39 million times. That's mind-boggling to me. Let the enormity of that rattle around your head for a few seconds. But not only is it enormous, it is 94,000 times brighter than our sun. Think about that. This star is not twice as bright as our sun, which which would be overwhelming in itself. It's not just... 10 times brighter, which is a light so bright we can barely comprehend it. It's not a hundred times brighter or a thousand times brighter than our sun. It's not even 10,000 times brighter than our sun. This newly identified star is 94,000 times brighter than our sun. Don't ask me how they determine that. I defer such questions to my scientific advisor, Dr. Joe Saunders. 
So see him after church. I'm sure he can explain it to you. But you hear that and think, how can anything possibly be that bright? Now the Bible says that God created all the stars and he knows each one of them by name. He doesn't call this new star R136A1. He's got some other name for it, and I'm sure it's a lot cooler than that. You see, God made all the stars. He designed each and every one to say, I made this. This is a reflection of who I am. This begins to tell you how great I am. Now think about just the number of stars that are out there. There are hundreds of billions of stars in any galaxy, and scientists say there are a hundred billion galaxies. So you tell me, how big is God? How awesome is God? He's an amazing God, and his light cannot be ignored. This morning, I want us to look at just one verse out of the eighth chapter of the Gospel of John. It reads, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To put this verse in its proper context, allow me to provide the background for this very famous statement from the lips of Christ. Jesus was teaching in a temple, and then he was interrupted by some of the scribes and Pharisees. They had found a woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery. And so they wanted to know whether Jesus would obey Moses and stone her or in their minds disobey the law and him be the friend of sinners. Most commentators believe this was a setup from the scribes and the Pharisees in an attempt to trap Jesus. If you know the story, after they asked Jesus what they should do with this woman, since the law of Moses did clearly demand that she be stoned, Jesus stooped down and began writing on the ground. No one knows what he wrote. I think it may have been the names of the men there followed by a list of their sins, but that is just pure conjecture. Jesus then stands up and says, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to cast a stone at her. I love how Max Licato imagines the scene. He writes, Jesus just raised his head and offered an invitation. I guess if you've never made a mistake, then you have the right to stone this woman. He looked back down and began to draw on the earth again. Someone cleared his throat as if to speak, but no one spoke. Feet shuffled, eyes dropped. Then thud, thud, thud. Rocks fell to the ground, and they walked away. Beginning with the grayest beard and ending with the blackest, they turned and left. They came as one, but they left one by one. Jesus told the woman to look up. Is there no one to condemn you? He smiled as she raised her head. She saw no one, only rocks, each one a miniature tombstone to mark the burial place of a man's arrogance. I never tire of reading that. Anyway, the Bible says that after this, the next word Jesus speaks is the one that I want us to focus on. And Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says, as you follow me, 
You will not walk in darkness. Now think about that. Who in their right mind would try to walk in the dark? Yet the vast majority of mankind still try to do this. Here's how the late film director Stanley Kubrick explained his view of life. He says, The very meaninglessness of life forces man to create his own meaning. The most terrifying fact about the universe is not that it's hostile, but that it's indifferent. However vast the darkness, we must supply our own light. That is certainly a popular teaching today, that we each have an inner light that we need to follow. The problem with that is, there is no light within. The consistent witness of scripture is that our condition at the core is opposed to God. That any goodness which we might claim in our defense is only relative to other fallen human beings and not to God. That's why people say things like, well, at least I'm not as bad as Hitler. True enough, but God doesn't use Hitler as his standard, but his very own holiness. God doesn't grade on the curve. With him, it's either pass or fail. And so there is no light within. The Dr. Phil's and the Deepak Chopra's and the Norman Vincent Pills and the Robert Schuler's and the Joel Olstein's may hit upon nuggets of wisdom here and there, but the Bible says our help comes from the Lord. This informs me that self-help is really a misnomer because the problem is without the Holy Spirit, I can't help myself because I am walking in the dark, which means I have no direction for navigating this thing we call life. Mary McLaurin has an unusual condition called developmental topographical disorientation, or DTD. Now that's how you name a disease. They should get these people to name stars, but <laughs> enough about my hang-ups. This means she can't form a mental map or image of her surroundings. Unlike most people, Mary has no internal compass. Here's how she described a typical incident of dealing with her DTD. She says, I was staying at a friend's home and decided to take their dog Otis for a walk. As I started back, I had no idea where I was. I was only blocks from where I started, but I was completely lost. Fear and adrenaline pulsed through my veins, and I began to sweat profusely. My surroundings looked completely unfamiliar. It was as though I had been dropped into the middle of a foreign land. I hadn't written down the address of the home where I was staying. And so walking in any direction would just be a guess. Am I getting closer to or further away? Would I have to knock on someone's door to use their phone to call the police? And how could I expect them to return me to a place if I had no address to provide? Fortunately, Mary found someone to guide her back to her house. But people who have this condition basically get lost every day in the most familiar of surroundings. Mary continues, Those of us struggling with this disorder are often left with feelings of anxiety, depression, isolation, and self-doubt. 
now. If you've ever went on an extended trip with me, you probably think I have this. Because when it comes to navigation, the politically correct term is I am directionally challenged. Which, if you were here last week, is another reason why I should not go hunting. Unlike Paul Worley, who says, if you give him a map, he can get you to the moon. I hate him. But what's worse is the GPS system in our car seems to have caught my disease because now sometimes even it will get us lost. You're probably thinking, and this is the guy who's supposed to lead us to heaven. (laughs) But thank God we don't have to walk in this world in a darkened and disoriented state. Why? Because Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He doesn't say, I can see the light, or I know the way to the light. He says, I am the light of the world. Christian faith is not wrapped up in propositions and principles, but rather in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. If we take him out of the equation, we have absolutely nothing to cling to. Again, in the prologue of the Gospel of John, the Apostle John says, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. You know, lights really are a symbol of hope. A person lost in a dark cave turns a corner and is relieved to see a ray of sunlight breaking through a crack. A person adrift on a life raft in the middle of the ocean at night is excited when they are able to say, I see the light of the ship on the horizon. People in darkness are delighted to see light. It is a symbol of hope. In John 12:46, Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should have to stay in the darkness. You see, the world in which we live is engulfed in spiritual darkness and people are groping to find a way out. But Jesus said, I am that light of the world. The attributes of light reflect the hopeful impact that the life of Jesus Christ can still make in lives today. When somebody takes a flash picture, you notice. Or if a spotlight is turned upon a dark stage, your eyes are immediately drawn to that light. Isaiah 9-2 reads, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Light enables us to see things that were there all along, but because of the darkness, we cannot see them. Darkness conceals, but light reveals. And without light, we can't see anything. It was C.S. Lewis who said, I believe in Christ just like I believe in the sun. Not only because I see the sun, but because by it, I can see everything else. And to further prove that Jesus was the light of the world, we read these words in Matthew 27:45. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all of the land. Matthew tells us that while Jesus was hanging on the cross, being judged for the sins of the entire world, that darkness covered the land. 
I'll never forget the comment of an old black preacher concerning this. He said it was dark that day because God can have two suns hanging in the sky at the same time. That's worth writing down, I think. And it's because of this that we no longer have to walk in the darkness. Listen to how Peter puts it in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. As we close this morning, notice the last phrase of verse 12. You will have the light of life. What is the connection between light and life? John 1.4 gives us the answer. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life gives the light. The life Jesus has and the life he shares with those who follow him gives them light to navigate this world. That's because we are dead and blind to the light until by the Holy Spirit it is imparted to us upon salvation. The eyes of our heart are then opened and divine light streams into our living spirits. And thus we have the light of life. The light that comes from new spiritual eye-opening life. Or as the Bible says, life that is truly life. A boy once heard a Sunday school teacher say that Jesus was the light of the world. After class, he went up to the teacher and said, If Jesus really is the light of the world, I wish he would come and hang out at my house. It's awfully dark where I live. Let me ask you this morning, is it dark where you live? You can change that today by embracing the light of life. Or maybe you have been slipping spiritually. Have you been defaulting to the dark instead of living in the light? If so, it's time today to turn the lights back on. Listen to Ephesians 5.8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. God's first act in creation was to create light and his final crescendo will be splashed with light as his work of redemption culminates. Revelation 21:23 says, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations walk, and the kings of earth will bring their glory into it. And in Revelation 22.5 we read, And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. I pray that everyone in here will be able to experience that. And as always, if you have any questions, please see me after service. And Lord, we are so thankful that you came down to be the light of the world. This is a dark place, O oh God, that we are living, and it's getting darker by the day. I pray, Lord, for every heart in here, only you know where they are, that if they do not know you, Father, you would reveal yourself to them that they could walk in the light. And for those of us who are walking in the light, 
Help us to walk even greater with you, Lord, and to put every, all of our trust in you, for you truly are the light of the world. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Blaine Hawthorne is going to come up and do a song that he wrote. And then after that, you guys will be dismissed. If I don't see you before then, 